Hi, hi. Oh, is this? Nope. There it is. How y'all doing tonight? Yeah? Yeah? That was awful. So three of you are doing good. Great. Let's try it again. Y'all doing good tonight? That's what I thought. Now, before we really get going in the new series, I'm going to do something that literally no one in the room knows that I'm going to do. Um, but I want to, I want to honor somebody in here. Um, a lot of you may not even know this person, but basically because of her, this entire thing that we call C12 happens. Uh, so my administrative assistant, her name is Heather, Heather Durden. You know Heather. Come here, Heather. Come here. You should keep cheering. You should keep. You should keep. Yeah. Yeah. She's going to hate, hate, hate me for this. But I want to let y'all know tonight is Heather's last night. So Heather, yes, you should, that should be a collective. Oh, that's not a, yeah, we're sad about that. No, actually, we're very excited. Uh, Heather felt a strong prompt to, to go and take a full-time job and do some stuff in Atlanta. So tonight is her last night here with us at C12. Um, even though it's her last night, uh, it actually means that we get a new admin. So I want to introduce you, uh, y'all to her as well. Her name is Sarah. Sarah, come here. Come on. Come on. This is Sarah. Sarah Suits. She's remarkable. She was here last week, just like observing, and she was already doing things. So I'm very thankful that she's here. But what I'd like for us to do, because really I mean this, I've been, I've been here at C12 for about a year now, and I've, the only admin I've ever worked with in my entire life, like no joke, is Heather. So I'm going to try not to get emotional, but um, I'm going to miss Heather. I think we're all going to miss Heather. And I'd love to pray for and over Heather, and if I'd like for you to join me. So Heather, um, I'm going to ask that you're going to, here, just do this. You can sit. You can stand. Okay. <laughs> See? See, that's what happens. She says what goes, and I just say, okay, let's do that. Okay, fine. Um, but no, I want to pray for Heather. So if y'all want to join me just for her next, uh, if you just want to reach out your hands if you want to, you don't have to, reach out your hands towards her. Um, just kind of in a, I guess, in a posture of praying over her. But we're going to pray for you. We love you. We are for you. Please come back. Don't, don't leave uh, forever. So, Father, I thank you for Heather. God, I, uh, I, I know that there's an emotional investment and connection that I have heard with her that, that probably no one else in this room has. But, Father, I pray that right now in this moment, every single one of us that are, that are listening to this prayer would join in, Father, and, and allow Heather to know that our hearts are with her, that we are for her, that we are behind her, and that she has a home here. Uh, so, Father, I pray that you would provide a sense of favor to her, that you would go before her in her next journey, in her next step, in her next season, and that you would provide such a sense of your overwhelming blessing upon her that she would be, yeah, that she would find all of her love and her joy and her peace in you, knowing that she has everything that she needs in you, Father. So would you, um, would you just overwhelm her with how kind you are in this next season? And may you always allow her to remember how much we love her and how thankful we are for her. So God, we are, uh, God, we're grateful that you allow us to spend this last season with Heather. And I pray that she would know that she can always come back and always have a home and always worship with us here. We love her just like you love her. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> now she's crying, and I kind of don't feel bad about it. But, Heather, we, we do love you. We are thankful, and you will be very missed. And, Sarah, we're really glad you're here. <laughs> so... Let's jump in. Um, I'm going to ask one more time the same question. How many of y'all are doing good? You doing good out there? Okay. That, like, I, I, you don't understand. I need that. Like, I need the, 
the affirmation. I need the energy because until about 45 minutes ago, I have not been doing very well this week. Um, I'll just go ahead and give all you bandwagon Bama fans a chance to gloat. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yep. Thank you. That's all you have. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's great. That's great because none of you went to Bama. But it's fine. It's totally fine. It's not a big deal. Um, so in case you didn't pay attention, uh, yeah, I'm a UGA grad. I'm a UGA fan. And we forgot how to play football last Saturday, but it's all right. Um, see, the, the thing you don't know is that Sarah, our new admin, her husband is a Tennessee grad. So now next week after we destroy Tennessee Saturday, uh, hopefully, um, then I can hang it over someone else. And if we get destroyed, then I'll just be embarrassed again because that's what it was. Now, see, here's the deal. No, stop. Stop it, Sarah. Stop. See, being a UGA fan is like living in the friend zone of dating. Like, you're always this close and you never close the deal. Anybody out there know what that's like? Okay, stop. Just stop it. It's the worst thing ever. Don't live in the friend zone, okay? It's horrible. Now, typically, the Falcons, any Falcons fans? Okay, good. Typically, the Falcons fan or the Falcons like to live in the friend zone too, but this year they're 4 0. And hopefully, next week, we will all be here next Thursday cheering them on, going for 6-0. Now, what you didn't maybe hear from Hassan is that when we watch this game, we're going to have a normal service. And then after that service, we're going to go into the main room on the drop-down, like, for real, 60-foot screen. 60-foot, 100-foot, I don't know how big it is, screen. And we're going to watch the first half of the Falcons game together. We will have wings, we will have pizza, and we will have root beer and a keg. I'm not even playing. We're going to do it. That's right. You should be excited. Now, here's the deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be asking you throughout the week, and if I see you after this, my question is going to be, so who are you bringing? Who are you inviting? There may, be, there may not be a single time that's better to invite someone to church than this opportunity next week. So bring your friends, invite them. And now before we get to the Falcons game, let's jump into this new series. So we're going to start talking about foundations because I believe that the ground that you walk on, it actually matters. So how solid is your foundation? How sturdy is the ground that you walk on? It is not easy to walk on ground that is not sturdy or that's not firm, that's not set underneath you. Now, I know this, and many of you know this, but we also see this sometimes in our culture. So I thought I would show you a quick picture of what it looks like to walk on ground on a foundation that's not steady and firm. Take a look. <laughs> Hello.
for, hey, you're like Olaf, that was great. Now, what I was trying to say is don't judge me for showing Frozen, um, because what I could have done is shown you the sing-along, and that would be a whole lot worse. Have you heard about this? Take a look. This is the sing-along. A fate worse than hell. That's about accurate, right? I don't, if I ever hear Let It Go Again, I'm going to let something else go from towards someone. But here's the deal. We know that Disney's got it right, that your foundation matters, because like you couldn't walk. You couldn't do anything. It's just trouble for you. But Disney's not the only one that knows this. We all know it to be the exact same truth, and the Bible tells us the exact same thing. So Jesus speaks to this idea of what we're going after in this series, having a foundation that is sound, a life built on solid ground. And he talks about it in the book of Matthew. So we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7. We'll have it up on the screen. You can use the Bible under your chair or around you if you'd like to. But Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, Jesus starts to tell a parable about just how important it is to have a solid foundation in your life. He says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell and great was the fall of it. And what Jesus is talking about here is, what are you going to choose to do with the gospel? What do you do with this offer of the grace and the forgiveness and the life that Jesus gives to you? How do you respond to it? What does your foundation look like? And we know this to be true because of what he says just a few verses back, starting in verse 21. This will also be on the screen. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now that's a harsh, a very harsh critique. But you see that in this, that what you choose to do with the gospel, it matters. The foundation that you have matters. And over the past few months here at 12 Stone, we've had many opportunities, both here at C12 or on our Sunday morning uh, services, many opportunities for you to hear and receive the gospel of Jesus. So as a result of that, now we want to talk about how do you build this foundation? What do you do now that you've heard the gospel? How do you respond to it? What's your life built upon? So what we want to do over the next four weeks is talk through four different things that are a foundation for your faith, kind of a how-to, if you will, and how to live this life. Because I think that this is going to be something crucial for every single one of you to understand, especially in this season of life. And the reason why this matters so much is because of what A.W. Tozer says. He says, what comes to mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you. So when you think of God, right now, think of God. Whatever comes to your mind is the most important thing about you. And the reason for that is because whatever comes to your mind when you think about God shapes the way that you view the world, you view your circumstances, you view your future, you view life, you view the bad, you view the good. All of it is dependent upon what it is that you believe about God. This matters. And see, what I want you to understand tonight, even if you've never heard or grasped this before, 
is that when you think about God, what I want you to see is that he's a loving God, that he loves you, that he's in love with you madly, and that he gave up everything so that you can have life because he loves you. He's a good father who would do whatever it takes to love you. And when we respond to the truth of that, what we're doing is worship. So what we're going to talk about tonight in this how-to of foundation is worship. What is worship? Why do we worship? How do we worship? And what does it look like maybe if you don't feel like you can worship? Have you ever experienced the freedom that comes through worship? And we're going to talk about all these things because I want you to understand the truth of it and how to live it. So first off, what is worship? Worship is this. Worship is responding to God for who God is as you are. Worship is responding to who God is as you are. Let me say it one more time. Worship is responding to who God is as you are. 1 John 4.19 tells us we love God because he first loved us. We love, we love because he first loved us. He first loved us. So in our worship, all we're doing is giving love back to him. That's worship. It's responding to who God is as you are. And now another crucial thing to understand in this is the focus of as you are. Because it doesn't mean that you have to be a certain type of person or do a certain type of thing to worship God. You come to him exactly as you are, and you just reflect the love right back to him. He loved you first so you can love. So all our job to do in worship is to reflect that love back at him. Now, how many of you last weekend uh, know what's going on with the whole super moon, super blood moon eclipse apocalypse, whatever it was, I don't know. Anybody, anybody pay attention to that? Did anybody get to see the super blood moon lunar eclipse? Anybody? That's right. We're all Debbie Downers in this place. Was it, did anyone actually with their own eyes? No, because Atlanta turned into foggy London town for two weeks and it rained like it's Seattle or twilight or something horrible, right? So I was really disappointed. I was super bummed out that I didn't get to see it because there's something I have, whenever I see a moon that's just huge, it just it shudders me. It rocks me. Sometimes it overwhelms me. And so this past one was this rare phenomenon that hadn't happened since 1982 of this blood moon that happened where there was an eclipse with it and the moon was red and it was ridiculous and incredible. And because I didn't get to see it in person, I thought I'd share with you in case you didn't get to see it. So here's some pictures. Take a look at some pictures from this blood moon, okay? This is real life. Like this isn't, this isn't, manufactured, okay? So I'm guessing that that was somewhere in England. I think that, is that the Jefferson Memorial? Is that somebody? We're just going to say yes so that I sound smart. That's the Jefferson Memorial. You can see how big, red, huge it is. Here's another one from it. It's crazy. It's huge. Look at this picture, the next one. Huge, right? It was, it was ridiculous. That's, no, um, no, that's E.T. That's ridiculous. Uh, but this blood moon came and it was huge and it makes me think every single time I see the moon, you know what I think about? worship. Let me tell you why. Because let's talk about what the moon is. What is the moon? The moon is a giant floating ball of dirt that is traveling through time and space. The moon has no life. The moon has no light of its own. It simply exists. It's there. And the only way that we see the moon with any sense of radiance of what it has is when it reflects the light of the sun towards us. This is exactly what the moon is. And it's just 
like you. It's the exact same thing of what you are. The Bible says that since the beginning of creation, God has been making himself known through his creation. And so every single time I look at the moon, I think of worship. Because the moon's job is to sit there and reflect the light of the sun right back at it. And your job in worship is to sit there exactly as you are and reflect the light of the sun, S-O-N, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, right back at him. You have no light of your own. You have no glory of your own. In worship, what you're doing is saying, God, you love me, so I'm going to love you back. I'm going to reflect it right back at you. And what we see from the moon is that even a little bit of light can light up the darkest of places. But it all happens because of the sun. Sarah Groves actually wrote lyrics about this. It says this, You are the sun shining down on everyone. Light of the world giving light to everything I see. Beauty so brilliant I can hardly take it in. And everywhere you are is warmth and light. And I am the moon with no light of my own. Still you have made me to shine. And as I glow in this cold dark night, I know I can't be a light unless I turn my face to you. So worship is responding to God, to who God is as you are. It's turning your face to him and giving all of the praise to him. And who is God? Well, the Bible tells us that God is love. By definition, we see in the Bible, God is love. So if God is love and all you're doing is seeing him and reflecting it back in him, then you're reflecting his love right back to him. We love because he first loved us. So how do you actually do this? What does it actually look like then to worship? Now that we see what worship is, how do we actually do it? And just like the moon, the moon never stops reflecting the light of the sun. The moon never stops reflecting the light of the sun. It continues to do it all the time. So you do it all the time as well. And what I mean by that is nothing in the definition of worship had to do with anything of music or a stage or a song or a service or a church. Because worship is a lifestyle. It's your life. It's your future. It's your legacy. It's the foundation of what you choose to build your faith upon. And it's something that you do all the time. See, sometimes whenever we get these really hyped up moments, these mountaintop spiritual moments where we experience God, anybody have one of those before? You're just so, like, you could do anything. You're going to go tell the world and save the world by yourself, and you can do it because you just met Jesus. See, in those moments, we have this, this short-term, elevated, emotional connection to God. But it's something that's a breath. It's short. It doesn't last. And really, if you want to compare it, it's like a diet. Now, listen, newsflash for all of you that are trying one. I'm sorry. I'm going to burst your bubble. Diets don't work. Because diets don't actually make you healthy. A change in your lifestyle makes you healthy, not a diet. So whenever you come into church and you act like worship is this moment that you show up to church at 7.30 on Thursdays to C12 or on Sunday, and I'm going to go worship now, and then you leave here and you don't continue that exact same path and model and position of what you had tonight, then you're not worshiping. It's this momentary blip in the radar of what you're actually doing. And it's not worshiping God. It's not a firm foundation. And so the moon shows us how we do this. We consistently and perpetually reflect the love of the Lord right back to him. It's a lifestyle that's filled with, and this is the key word, obedience. 
it's filled with obedience. So if you want to know what worship is, worship is obedience. It's responding to how God has loved you with the exact same love and then being obedient to whatever he's calling you to do. That's how you worship. And we know that this is important because of what we see back again in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. I'll put it back on the screen. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So the one who does the will of the Father, in other words, the one who is obedient. Regardless of what circumstances are around you, regardless of how difficult it may seem, you choose a life of obedience. Now, the difficult thing about obedience is that our own heads and our own perceptions get in the way. God will prompt you to do something obedient, to, to do something, and you can be obedient doing that, but the thought comes into your head, I know you do it because I did it too, and I still do it. Mm, but I'm going to look really dumb. Not going not gonna to do that today. That's how we respond sometimes whenever God gives us a prompt. But here's the deal about, here's the thing about obedience. You have no idea what God would do with your obedience. I saw this play out when I was 18 years old. I was 18 years old. I grew up around here. And so me and a bunch of buddies around here, we were all at a camp together. And there was a guy named Michael. And Michael was like, like Mr. All-America. He's basically like the poster child of Advocare now. He's just, he's ridiculous. He looks like a Greek god. He's stupid. He was a varsity football player when he was a freshman. And he, like I still hurt from a hit he gave me my freshman year. Like just the pain, the thought of it. So, but he was a friend of mine. And he picked me up, patted me, and then hit me again. But. What he does is, is he understands and he showed me what it, what it means to be obedient and how that actually is an act of worship. That's really all worship is. So we were all at a camp together and we're sitting in that, we're standing in the aisle, it's during worship and, and I'm here, my buddy JD's here, my buddy KC's over there, they didn't all have just two letters for names. And then Michael is standing next to me on this side next to the aisle. And we're in worship and we're engaged in worship and then all of a sudden Michael steps out into the aisle. And like without, I'm not making a fuss on it, but I'm wondering, like, what's, what's this, what is he doing right now? And then Michael proceeds to get down and start doing push-ups. And right, like, you're like, who is this guy? I know, he's getting his pump on in the middle of worship. I don't understand, okay? I don't, like, did he take roids before? I don't get it. And so he's, like, not stopping either. Like, I'm doing five and I'm tired. He's still going, like, the whole song. And we're just like looking over like, what is Michael doing? I don't understand. And so near the end of the song, he stands back up and he comes and he stands next to us and keeps going like nothing happened. Like, do you not realize what you just did, bro? Nothing came of it. We laughed at him. The rest of the service went on. Afterwards, this kid came up to Michael and he said, hey, I saw you doing push-ups. What? What just happened? He's like, I don't know, man. I just felt a strong prompt of the Holy Spirit that I was supposed to get down and do push-ups, so I did. Right? Like, ridiculous. This guy's crazy. He said, I just wanted to thank you for doing that. See, this whole thing, this isn't me. I didn't even want to be here. And so I made this little conversation with God, if he's even there. And I said, God, I'll believe in you, and I'll give you a chance if I look around and there's someone doing push-ups during worship. That's not a joke. And we were floored. Like, mouths wide open to the floor. You got to be kidding me. So this guy just told Michael, he, he just want to come up and say, thank you for being obedient. Because I'm going to give him a chance now. 
you have no idea what God would do with your obedience. You have no idea what's on the other side of your obedience. You just have to choose to do that. And see, maybe that's the key of the thing we got to figure out. It's a choice. Obedience is a choice. Living a lifestyle of obedience, you choose that lifestyle. Rather than being guided by your emotions or worrying about what people think of you or how you're going to sound or what the perception is going to be, you don't worry about any of those things. You make the choice of obedience regardless of what it is because you have no idea what God would do on the other side of it. Now, sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's not even as as obvious of get down and start doing push-ups. Sometimes it's difficult to do this. Sometimes it's, it's difficult to be obedient. Sometimes it's difficult to worship. See, sometimes you'll go into a season of life where you just, you just feel like there's a lump in your throat. Like you've reached this bump in the road that you just can't get over. And it's just difficult to worship. Well, what do you do in those moments? So we're talking about worship and the foundation of it and how you live. Here's what you do when you feel stuck. You keep worshiping. You keep on worshiping. You ask for help, and you keep on worshiping. And once again, we see that there's a truth to this in our world. See, you keep on worshiping because it won't always stay dark. The darkness will not always be there. The light will shine again. So whenever you feel like the world just completely gets in between you and Jesus, the Son of God, you're here and Jesus is over there and just the world is completely in between you. Once again, you are still just like the moon. You're just in an eclipse. For a moment, it doesn't feel like you can see any light. There's nothing there. There's no presence, and it's difficult to worship. But you do what the moon does. You just keep moving because it will not always stay dark. Eventually, you'll move around it. You'll realize it, and you'll see the light again. So when it's difficult to worship, you keep moving. When it's difficult to be obedient, you keep choosing obedience because it's a lifestyle. It's not a moment in time where you come into this room with these awesome lights hanging down and the, and the vibe and Georgie and Elliot crushing it. It's a lifestyle that you choose. And the lifestyle is of obedience. So whenever you want to do this, this is, it's your simple choice of saying, God, I'm going to respond to who you are exactly as I am. I don't have to go and get clean before I come to you. I come to you and you make me clean. You've allowed me access to come into your presence, so I'm just going to come into your presence. And by doing that, you are living a life of worship. You're responding to God. You're reflecting that love right back at him. Now, one of the things I love doing in this place is giving you an opportunity to not just hear what I'm saying, but to actually do it, to live it out, to practice what you're hearing. So we want to give you an opportunity to do that. In just a few minutes, I'm going to ask the band to come back up, and we're going to go back into worship. But in doing so, it's going to have kind of a different direction, so I'm going to give some guidance to it. As we go into this time, I want all of us in the room to, to know what it's like to experience the freedom that comes in worship. Because, see, whenever you are obedient, whenever you ask God to do this, what you're asking is for the Holy Spirit to take over. You're asking for the Holy Spirit to guide you, to give you the words to say, to, to stir your affections and your emotions for him, to reflect that back. And so if you feel stuck and if you want to experience that, all you have to do is say one simple thing to the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is pray one simple thing. Holy Spirit, take over. Holy Spirit, 
take over. Here, let's all practice that. Say it with me. Holy Spirit, take over. Let's try it again. Holy Spirit, take over. That's not hard. It's not difficult. And you do this, and maybe for some of you, it's asking it over and over and over and over again. And the repetition of your words becomes a deepening of your prayer, and you ask the Holy Spirit to take over and the freedom that would come from that, and then you can choose obedience. So we want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. So they're going to come up, and we're going to have a few more songs. But listen, here's the other side of it. This is the end of the night. So if you feel like you need to leave, you can go. There's no close. There's no end. You're, you're old enough to figure out when you need to leave. But as long as you want to stay, stay, because we're going to keep going after it. So for some of you in the room tonight, you came in here, and you feel like, you know what, I'm that person that has that lump in my throat. I'm the person that can't get over the hump. I've never experienced this, and I need help. First thing you do is you ask help, then you keep worshiping. So in asking help, we're going to have some of our leaders around the back of the room. They're in the bright blue shirts. Go find them during the next few moments. If God's, if God's prompting you to do that, then go do it. It's obedience. And go ask for prayer. They want to pray over you. They want to pray for you. They want to pray with you so that you would get past that hump and experience the fullness and the freedom that God would have in these moments. For some of you, obedience is going to look like standing up and singing. And if that's you, then sing till your voice gives out. For some of you, it's going to be falling on your face and praying. For some of you, it's going to be going and grabbing a Bible and reading or finding a sheet of paper and writing or getting a friend and praying with him. Here's what I want you to know. It's not push-ups. But for real, if he's asking you to do push-ups, do push-ups, okay? My only prompt to you as we end is that you be obedient. Ask the Holy Spirit to take over and then be obedient and understand what it looks like to then carry that out of this room and have a lifestyle of worship. This is a firm foundation for your faith of living this out, responding to who God is as you are. So next week we're watching the Falcons. You're going to want to be here for that. It's going to be incredible. Invite all your friends. Let's have a blast. But before that, let's have an opportunity to respond in obedience and worship. So I'm going to pray for you all. And then you respond exactly as he leads. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these moments. I thank you for this night where it feels like the message becomes secondary to our response to you. Sitting here listening to the monologue becomes secondary to the dialogue we can have with you. And, Father, you invite us into a deeper connection with you. You invite us into deeper relationship with you. And you invite us into your presence further and further and further in. So Lord, we draw near to you in these moments and we ask that as we draw near to you that you draw near to us. Father, I pray for a a sense of freedom in this room like never before. God, a courage, a boldness to say, Holy Spirit, you're asking me to do it, so I'm gonna do it. Because we have no idea what you do on the other side of that. I just pray we'd be a people that would choose obedience, a people that would choose that as a lifestyle. And then we continue to find who we are in you. So set our foundation. Be the firm foundation that we need for our faith. And allow us to be freed up to worship you with everything that we have. Lord, I adore you. I praise you. I worship you. And I ask that you be glorified in the next few moments. With every single person in this room. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.